I, I uh, am from Abilene, but really over the last four years, I've lived uh, in, I split my time between Abilene and Cheyenne, Norway. Uh, I've been working uh, overseas, doing some ministry for four years uh, in 23 different nations, but primarily in, in uh, Cheyenne, Norway. Uh, and in my time overseas, I've gotten to see some, some pretty amazing things. Uh, I've gotten to see God move in, in some pretty amazing ways, um, specifically like the rise of the underground church. Uh, in the Middle East and in, and in uh, you know, India and that sort of area, the underground church is where disciples meet. Um, and seeing that has been amazing. It's been an amazing experience. Uh, we've seen hundreds come to know Jesus. We've seen him move in miraculous ways. Um, but one of the things that's impacted me the most actually is getting to see uh, the local church and the impact that the local church has. And so I began to pray that the Lord would uh, reveal to me why that was so important to me. And I think that this is, this is the place that we grow most. I'm sorry, I'm talking too loud. <laughs> I'm from Texas, what can you do? Uh, <clears throat> this is the place where, where disciples grow. This is the place where we, we go from knowing about Jesus to really knowing who Jesus is. Uh, and so I have become passionate about the local church. I feel the Lord has called me back to Texas uh, permanently to, to begin uh, partnering with the local church. So I'm just excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, if you're a note taker, we are going to uh, be in two different passages of Scripture today, Matthew chapter 1 and Acts chapter 16. Um, if you're only going to turn to one of those, I would turn to Acts chapter 16, so we're going to spend most of our time. And today's message is called Praise and Breakthrough. Um, so right now, it kind of seems in, in our time, the time that we're in, uh, both internationally and, and domestically, the thing I keep hearing is we're in such a dark time. That's a phrase that, that's getting tossed around a lot. We're in a dark time. Uh, if you have a, looked at the news at all in the last uh, three years, five years, something, it, it's, it seems like we're in a dark time. Everyone is talking about how, how horrible things are, and, and we have laws that are coming up that don't need to be coming up. We have fighting that's happening that doesn't need to be happening. Uh, there's, there's just unbelievable division. And, and I'm sure that you've had these kind of conversations, be it at work or in your family. It's just, man, it's just so dark. And, and I've had these conversations too, but these conversations most of the time come across discouraging. Most of the time it's, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But the good news is, as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, I like to say that I'm in the business, in the light business. And so when it seems like there is much darkness, I actually get encouraged because that means that I actually have a job that I get to do. And the same is true for you if, if you declare Jesus as Lord. And so <coughs> something that I've been uh, just pondering recently is the fact that darkness in and of itself actually doesn't exist. Uh, I know that there was some scientists that I, that I can't remember the name of and probably couldn't pronounce anyways. They, they used to say that darkness doesn't exist. It's just the absence of light. And so as followers of Christ, we actually get to be that light. Uh, and so today, that's kind of what we're going to be, going to be talking about. Uh, my belief is that right now, is the, we are in the prime, prime opportunity for Christians to make an unbelievable impact on the world that we're in. We are in a time right now that does seem dark, but we carry light. And so I believe that this is the time that Christians can, can really, really impact the world.
Uh, so I'm going to tell you a little bit more about me. Again, I'm not in high school, so that can maybe ease your mind a little bit. But when I was in high school, uh, my time in, in high school, really my freshman and sophomore year, uh, were some of the hardest years of my life. Uh, I was basically addicted to everything that you could possibly be addicted to. Uh, I struggled with every kind of sin. Uh, I was, was rebellious. I'm, I'm a pastor's kid, uh, and so sometimes that means rebellion. <laughs> and so I was, I was definitely rebellious against my parents. I was rebellious against the church. Um, but I am from Abilene. And so Abilene is not, not near as small as Quana. I love this place. I drove in. I was like, yes, <laughs> this is it. Uh, but Abilene is pretty small, which means that people talk. Small town gossip is a really big deal in Abilene. Uh, I'm sure some of you might know that in small towns. Uh, and my dad is a pastor. And so one day I got out of school uh, and I looked at my phone and it said, Randy Turner, five missed calls. And I said, that can't be good. Something is definitely wrong. I thought in my head that there was like an accident had happened or, or, you know, something. He just, I don't know. But then in my gut, I thought, he knows that I've been struggling with things. And so I called him back very, very hesitantly. I was like, hey, Dad, how are you? Trying to be so nice. And he said, Landon, I need you to come up and talk to me. And so I walked, in, walked into his office, and immediately I knew. It was, it was just a very, it was a heavy feeling, and I was like, I'm, I'm about to get it. He's about to, yeah, it's all coming out. And so I walked in, and I, and I sat down, and he, I, he had been crying. And he said, Landon, I know what's been going on, but I want you to tell me. And so I, I sat down, and, and I couldn't hold it in. I immediately started, started crying. I knew that I had not been satisfied by everything that I had been doing because I kept trying more things. I kept trying to find wholeness in things that could never, could never fill me. I was trying to find wholeness in empty things. And, and so I sat down and I began saying, okay, I did this and I did this and I'm struggling with this and this happened. And I just kept going and, and it was a long time. There was a lot of stuff. And I just, every time I'm saying something, I'm crying more and I'm crying more. And then I reached the end and I realized... I had to make a change in my life. I was a Christian. I, I, I declared that I loved Jesus, but my actions weren't lining up, which put me in a season of darkness, kind of like what we're saying that, that we're in right now. I was definitely in a season of darkness, and so I didn't really know how to fight it, though. Uh, so my gut instinct was to completely pull back from everything. I thought if I just shut everything off, then if I just, if I just shut you know, my, all of my relationships, every group that I'm involved in, if I shut everything off, then I'll be over this. And all that did was actually push me further into a season of darkness. Uh, I, I became unbelievably depressed. I was lonely. Almost every one of my evenings consisted of me going home, locking the door, and just, and just sitting and crying and, and yelling at God, God, what, why is this happening? What are you doing? Why do I feel so alone? Why did everything come to the light? I mean, obviously looking back, thank the Lord for accountability. Sometimes small town gossip is good. But, but in that moment, I was, I was, God, why? Why is this happening? And why can't I be happy? What, what's going on? And, and so this happened almost a year of me being completely alone and just talking to God and saying, hey, what can I do? And finally, one, one night I walked in and I locked the door and I felt like he said, it's time to fight. 
And so I thought, okay, I feel like, I, I feel like I've been fighting. We've been talking this whole time. I feel like I've been fighting. What do I really need to do? And God said, kind of told me, that I had been passively fighting my season of darkness and not aggressively fighting my season of darkness. So I had been sitting and saying, God, I just need you to fix everything. I'm just going to stand here. Please fix everything and call me when you're done, basically, is what my relationship with God was like at that time. And he said, it's time to fight. And so I opened up my Bible, uh, and I said, all right, Lord, what, where do I go? Show me where to go. And he said, go to the genealogies in Matthew. And I'm a pastor's kid. I've been in church for, for my whole life. Uh, and I've never once focused on the genealogies in Matthew. Matthew chapter 1 is where it talks about, and so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so and so-and-so. And I was young, and I thought, I don't even know how to pronounce these names, first off. And secondly, what am I supposed to learn from who fathered who to who fathered who? And then it hit me. Uh, I started thinking about names in the Bible. Uh, names are are very, very important and were very important in biblical times. Uh, for example, there was a man named Methuselah, who was the longest living man. He lived 962 years. Uh, Methuselah actually had a very, very important purpose besides just being the longest living man. Uh, he lived right before God flooded the earth. Uh, and God flooded the earth because of man's sin, and God wanted to give man a chance at redemption, and so he sent Methuselah, who lived 962 years, and Methuselah's name, directly translated, is, after my death, the flood. And so Methuselah, for 962 years, was walking around, introducing himself to people and saying, hey, after I die, there's going to be a flood. Hey, after I die, there's going to be a flood. That's how important names are in the Bible. God named him Methuselah so that he could, for a thousand years, give people a chance. That, that just blows me away. So... I started looking up the names in, in, this, math, in this genealogy in Matthew. And uh, I got to verse 15, which says, And Eliud, the father of Eleazar. And so I looked these up, and the name Eliud translates to, God is who I praise. And the name Eleazar translates to, God's breakthrough. And so I'm sitting and, and thinking about this in my personal situation, and I'm thinking, okay, Eleazar begat, El, I mean, Eliud begat Eleazar. So God is who I praise, and that births God's breakthrough. And so what I begin to realize is my weapon of fighting, my weapon of fighting my season of, of struggle and hurt and sadness wasn't to sit and sulk and complain and yell at God about what was going on. It was to praise, and my praise became a problem to the enemy's plan. My praise is a problem to the enemy's plan. The Bible says that the enemy has three plans, to kill us, to steal from us, and to destroy us. But that doesn't have to mean that we are defeated, because we can fight and we can win. And I believe that the best manner of fighting, I believe that the only way that we can actually win is to praise. Our praise is a problem to the enemy's plan. Uh, praise to me is simply looking at God and telling him who he is. God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, you're trustworthy. God, you never, never let me go. God, you're in everything. That is praise. It's God, 
you are worthy. And, and so in the middle of these situations, I think sometimes we try and strive. We'll say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the whole Bible 20 times through you know, this week, and, and that's how I'm going to get out of this situation. Or, God, I'm going to do all of these different things, but it's not about what we can do. We can't get ourselves out of our own season of darkness. It's only by praise that we can break through. Our praise leads to God's breakthrough in our specific situations. Uh, so there is one uh, passage in Scripture that I think changes the game uh, for, for Christians. I think this, this is uh, the, most, the, the most impactful, um, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. This best shows that praise leads to our breakthrough. It's in Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul and Silas at this point have been imprisoned. Uh, they are missionaries, and they have been imprisoned, and <coughs> they have a choice to make. They can sit in their cell at night and begin to complain and begin to ask God. They can begin to say, God, what are you doing? Why can't, why can't I get better? Why am I locked in this prison? It's cold in here. They were probably abused physically. They were definitely abused emotionally, probably mentally, uh, because, because they were being persecuted. It was also midnight. They could be sleeping. They had all these choices to make, but instead they chose to praise. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, you can see the impact uh, that their praise had. There's three really important things that praise does. Uh, we're going to start at, at verse 25. It says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. It's midnight, and the other prisoners are listening to these guys praise. I would be annoyed, probably, but they're not. They're just sitting and listening. It says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. We're going to stop there. The first thing that our praise does is our praise shakes foundations. So in every season, in every hurt, there is always an underlying foundation. Everything is built on something. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a bad belief. Maybe it's a lie that, that is believed about somebody or yourself or a situation. Maybe it's a, a cycle of sin that can't seem to be overcome. Maybe it's an addiction. But whatever it is, there is always a foundation to the prison that we are in. There's always a foundation. And when we begin to praise and tell God who He is and how good He is and how faithful He is, that is how we can begin to shake our foundations. They don't have to stay there. There's beliefs that I believed about myself that were so deep-rooted. Whenever I first was sitting in my dad's office saying all these things, I didn't even know they were there. I didn't know that I believed those things about myself. But my praise of God began to shake those foundations, and I began to see them and say, no, that's not true. And because of my praise, my foundations of my prison were shaken. So let's keep going. Then it says, okay, there was an earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once... All the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Our praise doesn't just bring breakthrough for our situation. We can bring breakthrough for others by us praising. This is, this is amazing. If this passage in, in Scripture said that Paul and Silas began to praise, and suddenly their doors fell open and their chains fell off, it would still be amazing. We would still read this and be like, oh my goodness, that is crazy. How did he do that? But it's so much more than that. Paul and Silas begin to praise while they're in their prison, and it wasn't just them that were freed. It was every single person around them that became free. And so what happens is 
we can impact our situations and the prisons that we might feel we're in, and we can impact other people that are in the same prison as us. There is every, I, I believe that almost everyone is in some sort of prison. There's some sort of darkness. There's, maybe, it's, maybe it's depression. Maybe it's loneliness. You know, maybe it is sin. Maybe there's stuff going on at work. There's stuff going on in the family, and it just seems like everything's adding up, and it's like, oh, my goodness, my life, what am I doing? You know, my family feels like it's falling apart. My marriage feels like it's falling apart, whatever it is. And God's saying, all of it, all of it can be freed. You can be free. Your spouse can be free. Your kids can be free if you praise. Our praise doesn't just lead to breakthrough for us, but it leads to breakthrough for others. And so when we have problems that come up at work, the first response should be, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. Problems in the family, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. You know, kids, my, my poor parents, I think about my parents when I was in my rebellious years. I can't even imagine, but their praise is what led to my breakthrough. They praised God, and God broke through in my situation. I didn't even have to do anything. So with, whether it's your kids or it's your spouse or whoever it is, our praise can lead to Breakthrough, and I, I'm thinking about our nation even. It does feel like we're in a dark time, but our praise can impact this nation. Our praise can begin to shake things in this nation. We don't have to stay in a dark time. We can see change if we praise. The last thing, uh, so yeah, first thing, our praise shakes foundations. Second thing, our praise brings breakthrough for us and for others. Uh, the last thing, it says, the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, do not harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. It goes on and it goes on. The jailer ends up inviting Paul and Silas into his house, and because of their praise, the jailer and his entire family come to know Jesus. That is our goal as the church. Our church is to love God, love people, and make his name known. Paul and Silas didn't even have to, to go up to this guy on the street and say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? They didn't even have to do that. They just praised, and this man and his entire family came to know Jesus. Our praise can lead others to Christ. <coughs> I'm going to tell you a, a personal story about uh, me that is, this is when this all became real. I believed this was true. I believed that praise led to breakthrough, but this is when it all became real. Uh, I was in the Middle East in uh, the first, first few months of 2016, um, and I was in a, in a country where, where evangelism and, and missions is illegal, um, and so we went in, we were teaching English, and and uh, on the side, we're, we're seeing people saved. It was amazing. Um, but the whole time, we knew that we were being watched. Uh, I, would have, I would have phone calls with people in, in Norway or, or back home, and you could hear people listening on the other line. You could hear them breathing. Super creepy. I did not like that. But we knew we were being watched. Uh, like, there was one time that we were driving down the highway headed to, headed to teach English, and we got pulled over by a military tank and they searched our vehicle. I mean, that's the epitome of being, being watched. 
Um, and so I was getting ready to leave, and I, and I got up to the airport, and I see all these guards. I see all these police officers and, and military officers standing up there at the, at the ticket counter. And in my gut, I thought, something's off. And so I, I texted my brother, and I said, hey, uh, I just want to let you know, uh, this is, there might be something fishy happening. Just be praying. Be praying that something, you know, something happens. I'll talk to you later. Um, and so I get up to the ticket counter. I hand him my passport, hand him my stuff, and she looks at me, and she says, are you Landon Turner? And I said yes, and immediately I was swarmed, and my, all of my stuff was taken. Uh, my passport was taken. Every, everything that I had was taken, uh, and I was put in handcuffs and walked away. And so I am led to this, to this room that had a, a table. It was, it was almost completely black in this room. And I sit down, and I'm in handcuffs, and I have nothing, and I'm left there for two hours. And this whole time, I'm thinking, I'm in the Middle East. I've been doing missions. I, there's no way I make it out of this. That happens often with, with Christian missionaries in the Middle East. They are often, you just never hear from them again. Um, and so, and I didn't, it's not like I had my phone. I could call my family and say, hey, I love you. You know, I couldn't do any of that. Um, and so I started, I started to praise God. And I said, God, in the, in the midst of this circumstance, you're good. And in the midst of this circumstance, you're still faithful. Two hours go by. These two guards come in and they are staring at me and they began speaking to me in Russian. This is, I was not in Russia, but they were speaking to me in Russian. I know I, I barely speak English, so I definitely don't speak Russian. And, and so I'm, I know like three words. And when I'm trying to say these back, they finally realize I don't speak Russian. So they leave. And I'm again left in the dark. And so another 30 minutes go by, and I'm just, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. I trust you. You're worthy of my praise. All these kind of things. And they come back in, this time with a translator. And he says, you're being arrested, Mr. Turner, for international government fraud. Uh, because you, you are here doing things that we're not, we don't allow you to do. And I'm, so that was when I knew. I thought, this is it. This, I'm, this is, I'm done. And so he says, you have two options. We will lock you up until you have a court date. Or if you have $30,000, we will let you go, and you can come back for your court date later. I am a missionary, first off. <laughs> And I'm young. <laughs> I do not have $30,000 to hand over, uh, especially considering I believed that it was fraud. I believed that it was, they were wanting money. Uh, and so he said they would give me a few minutes to, to figure out what I was going to do. And so I'm, I'm sitting here, and I, I was completely hopeless. I had no thought whatsoever except for I'm about to go to jail. I will never get out. But I was praising. I said, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. You've never left, and I don't believe you will. A few minutes come by and, and go by, and, and the, the people come back, and they have all of my stuff. And he takes me out of handcuffs. He hands me my stuff. He hands me my ticket. And I said, what are you doing? Like, are you kidding me? And he says, someone paid your bail. It is three years later, almost to the, almost to the day, and I have no idea who did I, have, I had no contact with my family. I had no contact with anyone. It's three years later. Someone paid an unbelievable amount of money to get me out. The only thing I can, I can blame for this is my praise of God leads to God's breakthrough in my situation. 
When I praised God, he found a way to break through. And so my challenge, my challenge is this, uh, as I wrap up. <coughs> when, when these seasons are happening, when, when depression hits, when loneliness hits, when family is, is not going the way it's supposed to, when work is not going the way it's supposed to, what do you do? Are, are, are you going to sit and, and complain and sit and, and yell at God, God, why are you doing this? God, why is this happening? Or are you going to say, God, I praise you. I praise you. You are good. Our praise is always a problem to the enemy's plans. Always a problem. I'm going to pray as we close, and then we're going to have the invitation. I love that we're doing the hymn, Change My Heart, O God. I, I still, every day, am praying, God, develop a heart of praise. I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want to be somebody who questions God. I want to say, God, in spite of everything that's going on, you're good. God, we love you. We are so thankful for who you are and everything that you do for us. God, you are always good and you're always faithful. I pray in our situations that you would break through. I pray in our nation, God, I pray that you would break through. I pray that in every situation you would break through. You are who we praise. We love you, and we are so thankful for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you will turn to uh, page 17 in your folder.